This is Open to Hope Radio, featuring Dr. Gloria Horsley and her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley, coming to you on behalf of the Open to Hope Foundation, dedicated to those who are looking for hope after loss. Now, here's Dr. Gloria. Welcome to Grief Relief. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my daughter and co-host. Dr. Heidi Horsley. Well, Heidi, we've got such an inspirational guest today because she's been through so many trials. We're going to talk about navigating grief and trials, and she has been through them and has messages of hope and resilience, which I think are so important. Absolutely, Mom. I mean, she's had multiple losses, and I think it's really important to to look at people like this when you're early on in your grief and say, okay, if they've made it, somehow we're going to make it too. And my mom and always, I always say, hold on to our hope until you've found your own. Absolutely. Well, Heidi, would you like to introduce our guest? Sure, I'd love to. Um, our guest today is Kathleen Hamilton, and Kathleen has suffered a number of tragedies, including the deaths of her mother and 12-year-old daughter. She has coped with a brain-injured son and has grieved two broken marriages. She has been a facilitator for the Compassionate Friends and has worked in the funeral industry, and she is the author of the book, A Legitimate Journey, Navigating Grief and Trials in the Light. Welcome to the show, Kathleen. Hi. Thank you for having me. Well, Kathleen, I I wanted to just give a, a, a little short summary, and I'm so happy to have you on the show today because, as I said, you are an inspiration. And I wanted to just quickly talk a little bit about your loss, 1982, which was a year before my son Scott was killed, Heidi's brother. Well, it was Lynette, and she was riding a bicycle and was hit by a car and killed at 12 years old, and we are so sorrowful about that. And then your mother died uh, shortly after, I believe. Is that correct? Correct. It was just like about a year, about one year, almost to the day that she had passed away. And then your son uh, slipped and hit his head and had just a really weird accident, and he's been coping with that. And I know with brain injury, it's... um, and with a family member, it, it takes a lot of energy, a lot of support to go through those. Well, talk to us. I want to talk about your book and, and why you wrote it. And, you know, one of the things that impressed me is that you've had these losses, and you've also worked in the funeral industry after those losses so intensely with people who have suffered loss. Talk about your job there, because I think that the reason you could do that kind of a job was because of your background and such a needed thing. and and such an important thing. So could you talk a little bit about that job? Well, you know, when my daughter was killed, and I, of course, was thrown into this really painful abyss of pain, and I almost did not know how to cope with it. But as usual, what we start doing, we start asking the all, why me, what if, if I only type of questions. And then you have a million questions that, you know, don't seem to get answered. And as, you know, I tried to deal with this pain and live with this loss, I believe that, you know, there's a reason for everything. And I found myself working in the music industry, and I was doing okay and having, you know, quite a bit of experience dealing with the soothing and the healing powers of music. And then I was asked to help start a business with someone who had experience in the funeral industry. He was a funeral director and a reconstructive art surgeon, and he asked me if I could help him launch this business. And, of course, 
I couldn't have even imagined working in that industry and working among the dead, but for some reason it struck me that maybe I would get some answers that I needed, so I jumped in with both feet and found myself in some of the most sad circumstances of people's lives, and I beginning I, I began to see that I never was singled out. It wasn't me God was picking on, and when I started working with people that were starting their new roads in grief, I, you know, I began to see a lot more. It was like climbing that mountain. When, it, when I got to the top of it, I could see better, and I could actually witness a lot more of the creation and the purpose of everything, and I, I realized that I wasn't the only one that had a mountain to climb. So it was a, it was a big teacher for me, but it also humbled me greatly. And, and you decided to, uh, you stopped that job as a result of that experience. You decided to write this book. And, and what is your hope with this book? Yeah, I, I found myself getting in conversations with people. In fact, in the, in the book, I, I talk a little bit about people calling in and not wanting to pay their bill because people just didn't understand that when you're hurting, you can't deal with finances and all that. And they just had no idea they were getting somebody on the other end of the line who knew exactly what they were going through. So I found myself telling my story and putting myself in their shoes and telling them I understood their pain. And so many times I wished that I could have had a book to grab onto that would have helped them read the things that I had learned. So when I got out of the business, and it really wasn't by my conscious choice. It was just a matter of contracts not being renewed and changes being made in some of the works that we were doing. So I took it as the opportunity to say, this is my time. This is my time to get that book and have that book in my hands so that when people are suffering, I have something to hand over to them so they can read it and they can see that there is hope in this situation. Heidi, I, I was just thinking, wouldn't it be great be great to be in the suffering spot and call in the funeral home about a bill or something and have somebody like her on? Absolutely. It's, it's so inspirational to hear that you have found hope. Because I know at one point you, you talked about in the book how here you'd had the death of your mother, the death of your daughter, you know, your son had a brain injury, and you had your father was clinging on to you, even though you felt that you were drowning. And then you say, when I realized that the, all of this wouldn't kill me, I began to desire ways to survive. I had other children who needed me, and I began to realize I was still alive for a reason. So for those out there that are not there yet, how did you get to that point? Was it just a, like an aha moment? or You know, what, what I, the one thing that I learned was that um, I wasn't alone. I was not the only one that this was happening to. In fact, I, I had to take care of my father um, up until the time that he passed away, and his grief had consumed him so greatly, and his heart was so broken. And I remember driving uh, with him in the car one day, and he was telling me how God, you know, couldn't be God if he could create such pain in him, and he felt so picked on, and none of this could be real. And, you know, I remember pulling the car over, and I looked at him, and I said, you know, Dad, 
I could t- I could take you. This was when I was in the funeral industry. I said I could take you into any one of these funeral homes in this city where we live, and I could show you you are not the only one. But when I decided that I had to live because I couldn't will myself to die, then I began searching and I began stopping for a moment and paying attention. And I learned that one of the things that grief does is it opens your eyes. And when you want to see that it's possible to survive this and you look around, you still see the blessings that surround you all the time, ones you kind of blinded yourself to when you were in so much pain. So, yeah, I I did. I actively decided to start looking and searching and reading. I think I picked up every inspirational thing I could read. Anybody that would share stories of hope with me, I just clung to for life. And you know what? Everybody's story can help each other a little bit because people could see things that I couldn't see and I can see things that other people can't see, and it's all a learning experience. But I wouldn't ever want to trade the lessons that I've learned, ever. I I love this, though, Kathleen, because I love just what you said about grief opened your eyes. You, You blinded yourself in your pain, and then you just, you kind of made a shift and started seeing all the blessings around you. Don't you love that, Mom? I do. And, and the fact that you stopped trying to meet other people's expectations. Can you talk about that? Well, you know, I remember one time I had um, uh, a guest interviewed, one of the compassionate friends that had written a book on grief about letting go. And I remember at the end I had said, well, have you had grief in your life? And she says, no, but I've learned that it's healthy to let go. And I thought, I have too many people <laughs> standing around me just telling me that I need to let go of things. And I realized that people that are grieving sometimes makes life uncomfortable for the people around them. But when you allow yourself patience with this situation and you you say, hey, you know, this is my journey. It needs to be taken in my time. You become, I don't know, educated enough to know that people that surround you and say, you know, all of these things, they really just don't understand, and they're doing the best they can. But I had somebody tell me once I needed to just get over it. So I thought about it, and I thought about it, and I thought, you know, like I said, grief is like climbing a mountain. If you're going to get over that mountain, you're going to have to climb it. And it isn't so much about getting over that mountain as it's about getting to the top of it, because when you are at the top of that mountain, you can see everything so much more clear. And that's kind of what I, I like in grief, too. That's a nice way to put climb it. Climb that mountain. Now, you, you talk about it being a legitimate journey. What did you mean by that in the title of your book? You know, there's a lot of suffering in the world. And we suffer for a lot of reasons. Sometimes we suffer for, you know, our own, we, we make up our own suffering or we we just can't seem to find happiness in, in, in areas of our life. And so we kind of make ourselves miserable wishing this and wishing that. But when we're thrown into a state of grief, it is real suffering. It's sincere. It's authentic. We can't put on any fake faces. Yet... You know, it's a journey, it's a legitimate journey, and it's an actual journey that is going to end you up, I mean, get you somewhere where you are, you become teachable 
and you actually see better, and your vision is better. So though we don't choose to take it, because we don't have those choices placed before us, but if we stay on the course and we travel the journey, it will end us up in a better place, more educated, more knowledgeable. And it's a journey that will bring light into our lives. I like that, more educated and uh, more knowledgeable, don't you, Heidi? Absolutely, and the fact that it's a journey that will bring light into our lives. These are such great pearls of wisdom. Absolutely. Uh, what advice would you give to someone just starting a, the grieving process or their journey or somebody who's just recently had a loss? Well, first of all, I'd say be very patient with yourself. Allow yourself to feel the pain. Don't deny it because it is very real. And I'd also say don't be afraid to look up and ask for help. Asking for help is something that we kind of programs our, program ourselves to think is weak and that we need to do it alone, but any chance that you have to not do it alone is, you know, take it. Take it and run with it. And then, you know, sometimes just look up to the heavens and say, God, help me through this day. Give me the wisdom I need to just make it through this day. And, you know, they say time helps, and time does help, but you also kind of have to Realize time doesn't take care of everything. You've got to kind of do your part. And one of the things I I tell in my book is when you have grief, it's like this great big hole right in the middle of your chest that you feel is just a gaping wound. And I've learned that sometimes you need to find things to fill up that hole with and fill the pain up with. And so I kind of you know, discuss a lot of tools that can help you get there. Things that I learned that that helped me fill that empty spot as time was doing its thing. I wanted to ask you, um, how was it for you after, uh, what, 31 years to go back and revisit? Well, as I was writing my book, that was one of the challenges was I would find myself sometimes trying to tell my story as close and as well as my memory would allow. And I did keep a journal, so I did share a lot from my journal writings, and the journal was priceless when it came to that. But I did find myself many times weeping as I would recall that moment because I had to put myself back into the very beginning in order to tell the story, you know, correctly. And and that was a challenge because... You know, as the years go, you learn how to weave your your pain in to your life. It isn't that you ever let go of it or you ever forget anything. You don't. But you learn how to live your life in spite of it. And sometimes I would find myself being taken back to places where I had already thought I had visited, had left, and was leaving well enough alone. But at least I had the wisdom to know that that, that was a temporary thing. And the next day could be a better day. But that was probably my biggest challenge. Yeah. You know, I'm just thinking, Heidi, that it's never too late to write your story, right? Absolutely. And it's interesting because I think that your story also kind of changes over time as you move into different parts of the journey. Well, at least how we view the story, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's it, Kathleen. Thank you for clarifying that. It's our perception. It's how we view it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, Kathleen, where can people get your book, and do you have a website? And 
Okay, you can you can get it from any bookstore. It will you know it's available on Amazon.com. My um, official webpage is not up yet, but you can also check all the information out on my Facebook page, which, which is Kathleen D. Hamilton. And you know I share events that are coming up and places where you know new places that I know that you can purchase the book but it should be uh, available nationwide through any one of your bookstores that's great and uh, what a nice opportunity with great advice and uplifting spirit so thank you so much for sharing your book with the world and for being on the show today well thank you so much for inviting me this has been an honor thanks Kathleen well Heidi um, the uplifting story and somebody who's been through so much trial I hope will inspire many don't you think Absolutely, and she has so many great pieces of wisdom about how to get through the tough times. And, and I like how she talks about the fact that she, did, she didn't know how she was going to survive, and yet she does it, and she not only finds hope again and not only survives, but she ends up thriving. Well, thanks a lot for listening to the show today, and God bless. You've been listening to Open to Hope Radio, hosted by Drs. Gloria and Heidi Horsley. Like today's edition, all of our past programs are available on demand at opentohope.com, along with helpful articles, videos, resources, and links to help get you through the toughest time of your life. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter and sign up for our monthly newsletter. Again, that's opentohope.com. Check it out today. Then be sure to stop by next Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time when we'll be posting another edition of Open to Hope Radio. Remember, Others have been where you are. They made it through, and you can too, as long as you're open to hope.